You know, none of us know what tomorrow holds, but we certainly know that the Lord Jesus Christ, our God in heaven, knows what tomorrow is going to bring, and he's promised to be there for us and to never leave us nor forsake us, and we need to look unto him. <clears throat> Very thankful for the songs that we attempted to sing. Very thankful for the prayer offered up by Brother Randall, and would ask that you would continue to pray that the Lord would bless us this morning. The subject on my mind is something that I touched on yesterday. We was at the meeting at Crosbyton, and I was asked to stand before the Lord's people there, and I followed Brother Don Watson and as we uh, enjoyed a great time of worship over there, and a great time Friday night. really enjoyed uh, the sermon of Brother Gail. I certainly enjoyed his sermon Friday night, but it was a great blessing, and the thoughts of my mind centered around uh, the sin of unbelief. But before we get started on that or get very far along, I, I want to read a, a verse in Psalms 33 and verse 12. A, song, uh, a verse that I think people ought to take great heed of in this day and time. I, I think the Lord's people have become cold, uh, as the song we sing, many of them, uh, unattached, unengaged. Uh, you know, in Revelations chapter 2, when Jesus began to speak to the seven churches of Asia Minor, the first church that he spoke to was the church at Ephesus. He didn't condemn them for not coming to the house of the Lord. He didn't condemn them for their works, but he did condemn them for one thing. Their heart wasn't in it. They just wasn't in it. Notice what it says in verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. I'm going to tell you, this verse has a great amount of teaching in it that needs to be taken heed of in this day and time by the Lord's people. First of all, it says in this verse, uh, it, it, it's, it's talking about those whom he hath chosen. Those whom he hath chosen. Blessed be a time when his chosen people see him as the God are the Lord of their lives. And friends, I ask you today, is God the Lord of your life? You know how we can figure that out? Where do you spend your time and where do you spend your money? It, 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 it's, it's pretty easy to figure out based upon the word of God. Is your thoughts and minds continually in the world? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You know, there were times in the Old Testament that the God of, of the children of Israel wasn't the Lord. It became the idols that they fixated in their own minds or they crafted with their own hands. It's been a problem throughout the history of God's people. It's nothing new today. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I'll tell you right now, you can look back upon the history of this nation, you can study the history of this nation, and you can absolutely say there was a time that this nation could certainly say, blessed is the United States of America because the God of heaven is their Lord. Not that we were sinless, but as time has went on, many gods have come about, many gods across the land. Something to think about. In Isaiah chapter 30, we have a verse that I'll read and then we'll kind of switch gears. Isaiah chapter 30 is dealing with a time in which 
Isaiah, when he was prophesying to the children of Israel, they had become very rebellious. They didn't want to keep the commandments of God. They didn't want to walk in his ways. Matter of fact, they wanted to live life according to their own ways, to whatever they wanted. It says in verse 1 of chapter 30, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with the covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Is that a possibility that we're living in such a time? You know, I've told my wife, Sister Suzanne, I said, I just don't believe among God's people in this country there's a sense of urgency. I don't believe that. I believe they think life has went on for 200 plus years in the United States of America and it's just going to keep going on and on like it always has. I don't believe that. There's a change in the air and there's a time that we as God's people need to be uh, very engaged, very uh understanding of what's going on when you get over to verse 10 this is where they got it says which say to the seers see not and to the prophets prophecy not unto us right things speak unto us smooth things prophecy deceits lies in other words if you can't preach to me brother what I want to hear don't preach anything that steps on my toes don't tell me how to live you see we talking to elder James Baker this week he said in a lot of the bigger churches in his opinion all they wanted to preach was the milk and honey. You know, there is a time and there is a truth according to the milk and honey and the sweetness of, God, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the bitterness being the things that would convict us. You know, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and it's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine. That's just an instruction in every area of our life. But for reproof, do you know what reproof is? God's word, if you're a child of God and you're listening to God's word and to God himself, it ought to convict you. It convicts us of the error of our ways if we're studying his word and hearing it preached. It's good for uh, doctrine, for reproof, or in, uh, for correction. It, it not only tells us and convicts us, it teaches us how to correct the error of our way. And that's something we ought to take heed to. But notice verse 11 says, get you out of the way, turn us out out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. You know, it's hard to imagine that you could live in such a godless society in a place that the forefathers of these people, when they crossed over the Jordan River, were very in tune, but this is where they had gotten to. Anybody that says things are okay today and that I'm okay, they need to self-examine themselves, really. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You know, we're told in 144 Psalm, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Not little G, big G. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. I don't know that God's people today realize how happy they can be in the Lord because they think all the happiness that comes in life comes from the world. But I'm telling you, the world will disappoint you over and over and over and over. We need to keep that in mind. Like I said, the the thoughts on my mind center around the, the sin of unbelief. And someone might say, well, uh, I believe. I don't have any problem with unbelief. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll certainly see as we study God's worth if that be the case. Matter of fact, unbelief amongst God's children has been a problem throughout the ages. It is a sin. But I want to tell you, I heard Elder John Melvin speaking down at Austin, their annual meeting several years back, and he 
there was a house full there, and he approached them, and he said, you know, I believe everybody in this congregation believes in Jesus Christ and that he's the Son of God, but I don't believe everyone in here believes what he said. Hard to say that, isn't it? But I believe that's exactly the truth. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, if you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as the Savior of your sinful soul, it wasn't some action you took upon your own. We're told in the fifth chapter of 1 John, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's not whosoever will be taught of Jesus, not so who, who, whosoever will hear the preacher. The believer was touched by the grace of God before he believed, and it enabled him to believe. You were enabled to be a believer in Jesus Christ, not based upon your good efforts, your good works, my attempt to preach to you, or any other minister. It was by Almighty God and none other. We're told in the 19th verse, or I believe, I believe it's the 19th verse of Ephesians chapter 1, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? What is that? When it says... Uh, it's according to, the, to his mighty power. According means it's in agreement with his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Do you realize that for you to be enabled to believe that Jesus Christ was King of kings, Lord of lords, the Savior of your soul, God manifest in the flesh, it was an omnipotent power of God that enabled you to do that. It wasn't of your own. I understand how we believe in God and yet we don't believe everything that believe in Jesus. We may not believe everything Jesus said. I believe that's the truth and I believe I'll, I'll show you plenty of evidence of that as we go through. It's been a problem all the way back into the disciples' days. But we ought to believe in God and we need to be strong in our belief in God. We find that the verse in uh, John chapter 5, it says in verse... 24, again, it, it's one that he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that he hath sent, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. He that hath. Verse 25 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The time is coming, and now is. This is important. The time is coming and now is. It was, this was happening at the time Jesus spoke these words. Now, one thing I, 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 Brother Don Watson brought forward yesterday, we all need to remember this. We, we get caught up sometimes in the red letters of the Bible. All that does is allow us to know who's speaking. Ultimately, every word in the Bible is the words of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? From the black words and the red words alike because men who were directed to write those words we're overshadowed and overpowered by the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is inspired, and if you believe that, all words in the Bible are God's words. They're not man's words. But Jesus said, The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. In a natural sense, you can go out to the cemetery and speak to the dead person all day long. Uh, you can do it now till the Lord comes back. And I promise you, you'll never get a response from not a one, one soul buried in that cemetery. Friends, you're not going to get a response. I'm not from a, one that's dead and trespasses and sins. The only one that could call a man out of darkness and in his marvelous light is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told in John chapter 6 and verse 29, it says, For this is the God of work, that you believe on him who hath sent. 
This is the work of God. The work of God, not the work of God and the preacher, not the work of God and, and some friend you have down the road. If you believe in Jesus Christ, it's because God has wrought a work in your heart by his own sovereign grace. Then it enables you to believe. There's no other way it can be. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, uh, The natural man, you know in the Bible when it speaks of the natural man, it's talking about the man who's not born of the Spirit of God. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned or, understand, or understood. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Spiritual birth is required. It must precede any ability to understand, believe, or have anything to do in an honest heart concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 5, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, a man cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven if he's not born again. You must be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You can't see it. You can't enter into it. You believe in Jesus Christ. You believe he's the savior of your souls. You believe there's a place called heaven and you have a hope in, in, in you that is the anchor of your soul that keeps you going from day to day. But I ask you, do you believe everything that Jesus says? Do you believe everything that Jesus says? Let's go to Matthew chapter 21 and begin to look at the sin of unbelief. And we're going to stretch out even a little further here. In verse 21 of Matthew uh, chapter 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not. As we go through this lesson this morning, I want you to keep that word in your mind. Doubt not. Doubt. Doubt is one of the first signs of the sin of unbelief. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. First question I ask you is, do you believe that? Even if that's figurative, I'll tell you one thing. Jesus is directing his message at our faith, the faith that we have. You know, we talk about the decline of Christianity in this country, and, and I'm going to tell you something that I think most people don't realize. The Bible talks about in-samples or examples. Every one of us are an example every day, everywhere we live in this life. If you don't go to the house of the Lord, you shouldn't expect people around you and your own family or your friends to go to the house of the Lord. If you don't make God first and foremost in your life, don't expect them to do it either. And it doesn't have to be your immediate family. People see what's going on in this life, and that's what's happened. As time has went on, people have viewed what people do. I see it in young people. If they don't do it, why should I? I don't need to do it. You're an example. You make a difference whether you believe it or not. You're to be a light that shines in a dark place. But as this world has not been transformed out of us, it's been, we've been conformed to it, that's, that's what we see. Everything you do is an example. Somebody sees it and it has an effect on how they think or act or react. 
It says here in verse 22, though, And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Do you believe that? Do you believe if you pray? You know, we're told in James chapter 4, You ask not because you receive, receive, and you receive not because you ask amiss upon the lust, on your lust. You know, some people say, well, I may have asked for a mansion or I may ask for a million dollars or I may ask for anything that uh, I wanted in life and God didn't grant it. But you know, we're told in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. If you're praying according to the will of the Lord, I believe with all my heart God will answer your prayer. So often are we praying for things in this world that are really vain, as, as Solomon would tell you. They're vanity. God has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He's promised to give us what we stand in need of, but he never promised to give you everything you wanted. And the want list has gotten pretty long with a lot of folks in the world in which we live today. You know, I've made a statement. For two, two different years, I, I spent two weeks in the Philippines with Primitive Baptist brethren and the strong, and you just can't believe the difference in that country. You can't believe the zeal for God that the young people have. You just can't believe. Matter of fact, I didn't teach them much, but I learned a lot. Their respect for elderly people, the young people, was something that was astonishing in comparison to this country today. It really was. They have no money. They're not starving. They live in houses that most people here just you can't imagine. Some of them are, are cardboard boxes. But they go to church on Sunday, and they stay there all day long. They're not going to the movies. They're not going home to watch the football games. They're not going. They don't have any money. It takes them two hours. Most of them, they don't have any cars. It takes them over two hours to get to the house of the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, them people are so much more happy than we are over here. It's just astonishing. It really is. And, and those of you who have not been there and experienced that probably don't have a, a, the ability to understand it. But they are. They're so happy to be with one another. They have church, they eat lunch, they have church again. They stay there all night. I mean, it's just they don't have anywhere to go. And to be together and have that fellowship is, is something that they yearn for. And, and, and they're so happy. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. I, I think of that verse so much when I think of the times that I was over there. And, and uh, it's just... It's a blessing to see that, something that I think this country had years ago, but it's slowly and slowly and subtly faded in our land. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. You know, I made mention of the time in, in which we're living. Unlike any time, there's more hatred, uh, betrayal, uh, Matter of fact, there's attacks on the Lord's people. Uh, we're living in a time that there's a lot of serious confrontations going on that need to be uh, considered in our prayers. You know, God is able. When he speaks, it's done. When he commands, it stands fast. You know, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities, with powers, with rulers of this world, rulers of darkness, Spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we were told by Paul that we need to, why we need to put on the whole armor of God. And friends, the, what we war against is not flesh and blood. It's not bullets and swords and all 
uh, th those things. It's spiritual wickedness in high places. And as God's children's lights begin to dim, and they become dimmer and dimmer, this darkness that's always been with us is far more manifest. And I believe it's being manifest in the day that we live, and I believe prayer is something that we need to be making and going under the Lord, and it needs to be like the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, and that example was given to us of Elijah. Can you imagine, do you believe that Elijah believed when he prayed that God would grant the prayer of it not raining or having a drop of dew for three and a half years? God granted his prayer, and then when he prayed again, it rained. You're to pray believing. Have you ever went to the Lord and prayed, prayed a prayer and thought, well, you, you know, I, I'm going to pray this, but God's not going to grant it. That's unbelief in itself right there. We need to pray believing. God is able to do above and beyond what we even think or ask. God is able to deliver this situation we're going through in this country. But I tell you, we ought to be on our hands and knees. And I have prayed, I, I will tell you, unlike any time in my life. Should have prayed like that all my life. But, you know, tragedy and difficult times and difficult certain circumstances have a tendency, tendency to change uh, how we approach our prayer life, and it certainly has in mind. It's been, I, I don't know, I, I can't explain it to you. There's a, a sober, uh, something has come over me, a, a seriousness, a somberness, I don't know, and, and the need for the Lord is just great, and I, 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 I hope the urgency of God's people is great. You know, these things in the world that we have are nothing but stuff. That's all they are. They're, they're noise and they're stuff. They're going to burn up one day. Put the Lord first. These things will take care of themselves. They don't matter. God's what matters. Let's go back, back up to Matthew chapter 17 and read from verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove Hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Do you believe in prayer? Do you really believe if you pray that God will answer your prayer, or we just pray because we know we're called upon to pray? You know, God knows what you're going to ask. God knows what you're going to pray for before you ever pray. And yet God tells us that we're to come to the throne of grace, doesn't he? Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. Friends, we need grace and mercy because this is a time that we need God's help. We always need his help, but it's very, very noticeable and it can be seen in the times in which we're living. Let's go over to Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, the young man uh, and a father, the young man had a, a, a devil in him. And the disciples had been given power by Jesus to cast out devils. But they couldn't cast this devil out. They couldn't cast him out. Verse 19 says, And he answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Sound like Jesus is getting a little frustrated at these folks because of, of their lack of belief, to be honest with you. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? Now I want you to understand Jesus knew how long ago it was. 
He asked him the question, but it wasn't because he didn't know. He has all knowledge. And he said of, and he said of a child. In other words, he's had this since he's a little child. He's had this problem. It's, to us, the things that are going on with this young son sounded like epilepsy to me. And oftentimes it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Friends, that's what we need to be praying today. Lord, have mercy and compassion on us and help us. What's going on tonight? today we will not overcome without God's help. We cannot win this battle on our own. If the Lord doesn't deliver us out of the circumstances we're in in this country, we will not be delivered. Cursed is the man that trusteth in man and make his arm flesh. In other words, he depends upon himself. That verse goes ahead in Jeremiah and tells us his heart will be removed from God. When we begin to trust in the world and begin to trust in man and not in the Lord our God, we're in a bad situation. He goes on and says, Jesus saith unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. You know, a lot of times if you ask somebody if, if they had the problem with unbelief, would you believe them? Would you say, you know, I, I'm a believer. But we believe in Jesus Christ because God Almighty himself enabled you to believe by the omnipotent power of his almighty hand. Let's notice a verse before we move on that I found very, mentioned it at Bible study the other night. 1 Timothy 4 and 8, it says, For bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable in all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Now that's the real part I wanted. We believe in that which is to come. I think everybody sitting here believes in heaven, a place called paradise, a place that God Almighty is going to deliver us. And, and I pray, come, Lord, come quickly, Lord. Come today. Come tomorrow. I, I'm ready. I'm ready to see this unrighteousness uh, done away with and, and to see righteousness prevail, and it will in heaven. But it says, having the promise of the life that now is. That's what we're dealing with right now when it comes to unbelief now is. Notice what that man said back over there in, in Mark. And he says, And straightway the father of that child cried out and said, Lord, With tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Help thou my unbelief. Do you have the problem of unbelief? Do you believe everything that God says? I wish we did. But I'm telling you, this was a problem even with the disciples. Even with this man. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried out and rent him sore, and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. You know, maybe we ought to be praying and fasting over the circumstances that we see in the nation today. You know, over in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, it says, When thou fast, when thou prayest. It didn't say if you do. It says when thou do it, when you do it. It tells me that God expects us. The Lord Jesus Christ expects us to fast. And he goes in there, and for time's sake, we're not going over there, but he talks about don't do it in front of men where you can make a face like how horrible it is and how much you're suffering. 
just like prayer. You're not to be seen. You know, in Luke chapter 18, we have the prayer of the Pharisee who began to tell God everything he'd done for him. All the things that he'd done for him, and he fasted twice a week, and that publican, what did he do? He smote upon his breast and said, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. He prayed with the prayer of humility. You know, that Pharisee, he had to tell God of all the great things he'd done for the Lord. The Lord don't need our help in telling him what we're doing for him. He was filled up with pride. But prayer is something that's important. He said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. We need to pray believing. And we need to pray right now. Even under the circumstances that we're facing, that God will deliver us. That God will deliver this nation back to God-fearing people and that we will make a difference in this land. It's important for not only us, but for our children and our grandchildren. It just tears at my heart as to think what they could live in. What they could live in. Let's go to Mark chapter 16. I find this to be one of the most amazing picture or teachings of unbelief that, that I can imagine. Chapter 16 and verse 9 says, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. I tell you, that's a lot of devils, isn't it? She had seven devils, the number seven being the, having the meaning of completion, and they were cast out by Jesus Christ. And she went, <clears throat> let's see, yeah, and she went and told them, verse 10, that had been with him as they mourned and wept. You know, Jesus, before we go on, was told, he told all his disciples that he had to be lifted up. He had to die. He had to go to the cross and be crucified, and he'd rise again on the third day. This was not a newsflash to these boys. This was not something they'd never heard of. They were told this. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, of Mary Magdalene, believed not. They had walked with this man in his ministry, the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, for over three and a half years. They had seen miracle after miracle, and they believed not. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever thought that if you had been blessed to live at the time of Jesus Christ and had you been in his presence and you'd have seen the blind uh, have their sight, the deaf hear, the dumb speak, the leopards cleansed, the dead raised to life? I mean, how could you not believe what this man said? How could you find yourself with the sin of unbelief? They did, though, didn't they? Verse 12, after that he appeared unto another form, unto two of them, as they walked and went into the country. You, you remember the story of the two men on the road to Damascus? Emmaus, not Damascus, Emmaus. I was going to say Damascus, but Emmaus. They walked along with Jesus for quite a while before he finally revealed himself unto them. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. You know, Jesus came and he told a lot of folks what he was going to do and they just couldn't believe it. Notice uh, verse 14. And afterward, 
he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief. The original disciples that walked over three and a half years with Christ did not believe when they were told that Jesus Christ had rose from the grave. You know, in my mind, and probably in yours, you just wonder how could that be. But friends, we're no different than those folks were then. We have doubt. We're not to doubt. We're not to have weak faith. But we do sometimes, don't we? Aren't you thankful that Jesus shed his blood for the sin of unbelief? Because we have it. We're no different than the disciples were. He upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. You know, I think we all fall into that category. We've all seen that happen in our lives. Notice what the writer in Hebrews chapter 3, get over there, in verse 12. It says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief is an evil, speaks of an evil heart, a heart that's committing sin, a heart that's sinful. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah told us that in Jeremiah 17 and 9. A heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Do you know that any time you sin and do a break God's commandments, you depart from God? It may just be for a little bit, but you're departing from God. You're not following his commandments. We're told that this is the love of God. For this is the love of God in 1 John 5 and 3. That you keep his commandments. This is how you show your love to God and his commandments are not grievous. Even though we, we sin and don't keep his commandments all the time, it's not impossible for us to keep them. Did you know that? That's what the word of God says. That's what the word of God says. I want to look at a few things in Proverbs 3 here in just a moment, but I want to go to Romans chapter 4 and read a couple of verses. Let me get one in chapter 3 first. It says in verse 3, For what if some do not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Let God be true and every man a liar. We're told in Hebrews 10, in verse 23, that our God is faithful. He's faithful. God is always faithful. He's never broke a promise. When God said he'd never leave you nor forsake you, he's always going to be there. Whether you believe it or not, he's not leaving. You may leave. You may forsake him, but he's going to be there in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. You see, God can't lie. We can't. It's impossible for God to lie. He's holy. He's righteous beyond anything that we know. His ways are perfect. You know, I used an example, and I'll use that before we get here a little bit more. What about fear? Have you ever lived in a day and an age in your lifetime that you've seen the degree of fear in the land that we see today? And I'm going to tell you, that fear is among a lot of God's people. It really is. When Jesus said before he went to the cross in John 14 and 27, he says, Peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Afraid is to have fear. A lot of people are afraid of this virus. I, I don't happen to be one of them, and I'm not boasting about it. But God created us, and he didn't create us to walk and live in this land in fear. For God hath not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Even the Bible teaches us not to fear death. David said in the 23rd Psalm, Although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Do you believe that Jesus will be with you and he will take care of you no matter what? I do. I don't fear. You know, Jesus is either going to deliver us from whatever ailment we have to continue on this journey in life, or he's going to deliver us out of this world into heaven, which is even far better. How could you go wrong? Deliverance is coming one way or the other. So there's no reason to walk around and be scared and fearful. There really isn't. It says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 19, And being not weak in the faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. This is about the time that the promised son was brought in the world, Isaac. We know that it's Abraham and Sarah under consideration, but verse 20 is what I want. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. That's a pretty bold statement for a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman. Do you know any 100-year-old men and 90-year-old women that if you were to tell them they were going to have a baby, uh, maybe even if the Lord told them, they might, they might laugh, mightn't they? They might think, you know, you got to be crazy. I don't know what Abraham and them thought, but that word staggered, staggered literally means he did not hesitate or doubt at the promise of God through unbelief. That's how we ought to be. We need to be strong in the faith and not weak in the faith. We need to believe what God said. We've been in Proverbs chapter 3 at Bible study, and I'm going to finish with just a couple of verses there. Two of them, actually. The first one is, in the first ten verses of Proverbs 3, what's interesting about those verses is the fact that verses 1, 3, 7, and 9 are instruction for us as God's children, their great admonition, and each one of them is followed by a promise. The first one deals with not forgetting the Word of God, and you can't keep the Word of God in your mind if you don't read it. It's just a fact. You, you don't have what you need to deal with life. At Bible study, I told him the other night, you remember it said, uh, bodily exercise profiteth little? To exercise godliness and to understand it, you've got to read God's Word. Do you know that you get up and you walk and you talk and you eat every day? You exercise that every day. If you laid down in bed and didn't get up for a year, maybe less than that, I promise you, you'd have to be taught how to walk again when you got up. You would. Learning is something that goes on every day, and exercising that makes a difference. If we don't exercise our faith, Notice what it says, my son, forgetting all my law. That's forgetting all my word. The promise is it'll add long life and peace. Length of days, long life and peace. The peace of God that passeth understanding. Even in chaos, you can live in peace because your strength's in Jesus Christ and not in this world. That's the promise. Verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? We want to uh, trust in, in the Lord, but we want to lean to our own understanding. We, we want to figure out what we got. Well, uh, we don't have time, or we don't this, or, or what's going to lie ahead. I don't know. I might want to go around another way. When Abraham left the place that he was born with Sarah and Lot, 
He went where the Lord told him to go. He stopped when the Lord told him to stop. And when the Lord told him to rise up and go again, that's what he did. That's what we need to do in life. We need to exercise our faith and our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in that verse, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. That's the key to that verse. But let's notice the promise in verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall, not might, shall direct thy steps. Do you believe that? Do we really believe that? If we do, are we practicing that? You see, the way you understand if you believe something is, is if you practice it, if you exercise it. If you don't, you don't really believe it. You may believe that God said it, but you don't believe it because you're not doing it. That's just a fact. That, that goes for me and every one of us. Let's notice verse 9 and 10, and we'll close on this. Honor the Lord with all thy substance. What is your substance? It's your money. It's your time. It's, it's your, what you have out here in the world. And with the first fruits of all thine increase, honor the Lord. This is what honors God. It ought to be the most important thing to each and every one of us. And because it has slacked off and diminished, I believe, through the last 50 years from the time I was a child, the light of the Lord's people is no longer the city set up on a hill that it once was. A city set up on a hill cannot be hid. That's, an, a, that's a collective body of Christians whose lights are shining and it can't be hid. It's people who place God as first in their life. First and foremost, and that's what we need to do in every degree of our life. You know, things have changed so much in the last 50 years, I don't even think the Lord's people understand or believe that. They've got so much going on and so much to do, they just can't, they can't fathom that. But this is not what I say. This is what the Lord says. Honor the Lord with your time. Honor the Lord with your money. Honor the Lord in your family. In whatever you're doing, all thy substance, in the first fruits of thine increase. You know, Jesus Christ... He was given to you by God. For God so loved, he gave his only begotten son. God gave his best to you so that you wouldn't burn in a place called hell. He gave his best to you. His best. Are we not willing to give our best? Are we too busy to give our best? I mean, it, it, it's, we, we want to understand what's happening today. Paul said, I shun not to declare all the counsel of God. That's what we want to do. We need to give God our best, each and every opportunity that we have. Notice the promise in verse 10. So shall thy barns be full, and thy wine presses burst out with new wine. God says when your heart is right with him, and you're honoring him like he wants you to honor him, you ain't going to have any problem having what you need and getting along in life. But when you lean to your own understanding, you're not going to find time enough for the Lord. When you add up your bills, you won't have enough money for the Lord because you don't put the Lord as a top priority of your budget. Most of us don't. Honor the Lord with everything you have. He won't leave you destitute. He won't leave you hanging out there to dry, as the old saying goes. He will honor you with his blessings. He will pour his blessings out upon you. You know, I think of a verse, and I, I, wasn't, I was going to close with that, but I want to go to Malachi and close on this verse. And, and I just find this to be an amazing verse in chapter 3. Let's, let's read a few verses. In verse 8 it says, will, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. 
But you say, whereunto have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough for you to receive it. Do you believe that? Do we believe that? Are we just weary? Has life gotten to us? Our God is faithful to his promise. And we need to be faithful to him. Unbelief, it's a real sin. And it's a problem that we have from time to time. We need to pray like that man. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. You know, I haven't always read like I should and kept in memory what I should. You can preach a whole sermon out in there, every one of those verses. But each one of those first ten verses are followed with a promise, a great promise from God. I hope we hold fast to God's promises and that we believe what he says, that we pray believing, that we, believe, that we pray in this time that's so needful in this nation. May God suffer us or help us to do that. May he help us to do that. That is my prayer and my hope.